Welcome to episode 26 of More Than Just Maps. I'm your host, Ollie Powers. This podcast was created with the intent to help anyone in the GIS field get from where they are now to where they want to be, be that your first job, a career move, or just improving your GIS game overall. On this week's episode, I finished my interview with Liz Parrish of Esri. In this special episode, Liz and I chat about the dreaded imposter syndrome and how it affects everyone. We share some of our own experiences and discover that men and women are actually affected almost the same. We also talk about how our upbringing can influence the imposter syndrome tendencies we experience and some ways to boost your confidence instantly. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm here again with Liz Parrish of Esri, uh, and and we're here for part two of her interview. Welcome back, Liz. Hi, thanks again for having me. Thanks for being here. So I wanted to touch on something that you said last time, first interview, um, you had, you were talking with um, a technical support rep from Esri and they had suggested that you apply to Esri. And you said that your first thought was, oh no, I can't do that. Um, And I think this is really important because this is something that a lot of people suffer with, which is imposter syndrome. Absolutely. Um, I've suffered with it. I, I think almost every single person on the planet has suffered it from this at one point or another um, to varying degrees. But I think it's something that isn't really talked about a lot. And it's something that should be. Absolutely. And I didn't even know what it was. I, I mean, I can tell you from experience that I have experienced it. I have felt it. And now that I'm aware that there is a name for it, I certainly, you know, am much more aware. And and I do think that whether it's talking about imposter syndrome or mental health or many other topics that years ago were much less discussed, we are seeing a little bit more discussion um, now, especially with the evolution of social media and um, online communities where we have broadened exposure to people beyond their immediate circle. And I love, you know, like LinkedIn from a business perspective has has been really great to see the success of other people and encouraging each other out there. Um, So yes, I did did not know what imposter syndrome was, but it's when you feel inadequate and even though you are completely capable and have the credentials and are absolutely able to do something, And I think that throughout life, we doubt ourselves. Uh, Most most people do. Some are better at overcoming it. And I think that can be because of conditioning or your support system. And it can also be just experience over time. But a lot of people still suffer greatly. And finding out things, and I wish that I had prepared and done some research to have some actual references and statistics to share with you um, that are real um, because I have read statistics and I have read reports and, and done some research on it and I just don't have the reference material handy but it seems to be that in technical fields especially women suffer much more than men and when you're in leadership roles as well. And that's not to say that men don't suffer. They absolutely do. But the societal 
impacts and what we, we teach in general seems to be that if you look at a job and you look at what the requirements are, we're looking through, oh, this is what the job is. This is what the minimum requirements are. This is what the extra skills they wish would be that the statistics show men will look at it. And if they've got half or whatever, I don't remember what the actual percentage is. I actually just did a quick uh, search and the numbers are a lot closer than you would want to think. Really? Yeah. Like with, they're within 2% of each other. Wow. So women who have experienced it is 76.9% versus men, which is 74.6. Okay. So see, we, we talk about it. I think women talk about it more. I don't think men talk about it as much, but when it comes to applying for a job and putting yourself even in that position, men tend to be more go-getter. Like they will apply for a job that they maybe only have half the credentials for and throw it out there and be more like, oh, well, I'll figure it out. Whereas women have that tendency to be more hesitant. Well, I don't have this one and I don't have that one. And they will write themselves off and not even give themselves the opportunity to apply for a job. Um, I thought it was funny when you were talking about how you, you applied for Esri and I was going to say, yeah, yeah. I've looked at some Esri applications and I'll look at the requirements and I I just immediately, I'm like, no, no, I can't ever work for Esri. (laughs) So it's, it's definitely a real thing where you can, you're capable of doing a lot more than you think you are. Um, Absolutely. And even if you don't know everything, that's okay. Nobody knows everything. <laughs> Nobody knows everything. But are you are you interested in learning? Are you interested in actually being invested? I will say, Esri as a culture, it's still it's a privately owned company. Jack and Laura Dangerman founded it. They still own it. They still show up to work every day and are very heavily involved in, in leading the company. They are not hands-off by any means. And one of the parts of our culture is, it is about helping other people be successful. And that really resonates with me. And, and Jack will say all the time, it is better to be interested than interesting. So it's not about you as an individual being somebody that other people are enamored by, but be interested in what they are doing and help them be successful. And through that, you will grow and and be successful on your own. I don't know if it's like one of those like um, stories that people are like, oh yeah, the, the moral kind of stories. But I remember hearing this one story of some woman went to dinner with, with supposedly the most interesting man in the world. And she came home and her husband asked her about it. And he's like, well, how interesting what was it? And her reply was, well, he made me feel like I was the most interesting person in the world. And just yep. that feeling that that this woman had gotten. And I don't know where the story is from, if it's just one of those anecdotes or if it's an actual story that happened to somebody. But right. that right there is, that's so important. If you can get other people to talk and and get them to come out and, and get them to share their stories um, and their yeah. experiences, that's, that is more important than kind of, sitting in the spotlight and just 
kind of being like, look at me. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and I think that, you know, having come to Esri, you know, being encouraged by somebody else, right, was the first step. So but we don't always have that, though. Sometimes we have to find that, that courage within. And as I've grown and transitioned into different roles throughout my um, eight years with Esri, I've, I've moved into different roles and realized that where I identified that I was struggling, I did a lot of self-reflection and I realized that when I got into certain level roles and situations that interestingly enough, I would go into meetings with clients, large companies, banks, real estate companies, whatnot, that also had um, high level female leadership. And these, these women were confident and knew what they were doing and they were authoritative. And I found myself more intimidated by these really strong women than I was with like the really strong men, which you, you know, see as more traditional. And I started asking myself, why? Because I'm striving to be one of those people. So <laughs> why are they intimidating me? Because I genuinely like them. I respect them. I think it's great. I, I want to be that. How, how do I get there? And so that's when I started doing research and coaching and realized that they also may not always feel a hundred percent confident on the inside, but you have to, you know, own the, the role that you're in or the role that you're trying to uh, achieve. And you have to portray the confidence. You have to kind of believe that if your boss or your, your team has given you an assignment or given you a position or put you in a, a situation where you have a responsibility or a certain level, I mean, don't you trust your boss that they would not do that if they didn't think you could handle it or that they wouldn't do that if they could, wouldn't support you if you had a, a challenge? And so I, I started learning that it's about trusting other people and then trusting yourself and starting to recognize that, you know, it's not a fluke. It wasn't a lottery ticket. I've put in a lot of hard work, many, many, many years of school <laughs> yeah. and a lot of, you know, late nights, early mornings, uh, working hard on meetings, doing research before I met with clients. And so even though I have may feel insecure, I still have to then say, well, but why? I deserve to be here. I have earned my spot. And I think that we, we do feel that imposter syndrome of, you know, maybe I'm not as worthy or not as good, but whenever you feel that you have to start thinking about, but you put in the work to get there. Yeah. So I was going to ask, actually, do you think um, that feeling that you got is more of like a societal thing? Like a lot of times they'll say, oh, she's bossy. No, she's actually confident and understands what she's doing. Um, and there's a lot of just negative words that 
that in not not just GIS industry, but just sure. the working world in general attributes to women that you don't attribute to men. And it's the exact same trait. Um, but when sure. you put it to women, it's spun in this negative connotation versus with a man, it's spun as a very positive connotation. Right. You think I, it's something I, like that, just like we've been conditioned to think this way? Yes. Uh, I definitely think there is some of that. I mean, it, some of it is still expectations. A lot of it is your, your own personal um, environment and upbringing, you know, all that nature versus nurture kind of thing. I mean, some of us are just predisposed to being more outgoing or, you know, more introverted or, or whatever, but then there's also your environment and that it comes from not only your family and your upbringing, but what are we fed in social media? What do we see on TV? What do we read in books? Like all of it. And, and I think, I mean, being mindful of the climate, um, you know, in the world today, I think it is not only just the, the men versus women. I do think it also is the minorities and the perspective or, you know, perception that people have and the um, stereotypes that a lot of folks bring, even if it is um, unconscious, like the unconscious bias that we bring. And I think that while we often talk about now, it's, it's great that we're starting to have these conversations in business and in um, our circles and out in the world, you know, we're talking about unconscious bias and we're talking about, um, you know, how we perceive other people. But I think that we're not closing the loop and really talking about we do that to ourselves too. Yeah. We have that, un- that unconscious bias that may be, for example, going to a, you know, auto shop to get your car worked on and the, you know, head person there happens to be a female. How many people like that is weird for them or yeah. might hesitate. And I, that happened to me one time and I had, like that initial gut reaction, I'm like, why did I just think that? I totally know that women are capable of being awesome master mechanics. Like, yeah, go her, go her. <laughs> like, but I had to be like so self-aware to like catch that momentary hesitation in myself at this other successful woman who was really great at her job. And then I had to consciously overcome that, choose to overcome that and say, okay, here's what my problem is, whatever. She did a great job, fix it. But I had to be aware of it and do it. So if we think about like, that was my reaction to somebody else. That's also, I'm judging myself unconsciously. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's so hard to do that. And it's not like, I don't think it's something that society has really understood until now and we're only beginning to to start understanding it now so when you come across that it's I mean it's not your fault but that also doesn't mean that you don't have to do anything about it everyone is responsible for overcoming that in themselves um and like you just said like it's it's almost even worse in in ourselves I know I have that problem with um so I I'm blessed with having a very youthful appearance um and here I am at the age of 35 still still 
thinking of myself as like a child and sure. I've worked in a lot of different industries and I'll still sit at a desk being like, how the heck do I have this job? I should right. not be able to do this. I should be, I should not be at this level. I should not be making this much money. I should be here. I, I'm not worthy of that. Those st- thoughts still go through my head. Every time I go to the store and get carded for buying a bottle of wine or something like that, which on the one hand is great. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah. But at the same time, <laughs> it's still like, oh, I'm a little kid. I'm not a real adult. Um, and like, that's my personal thing. I'm sure people mm-hmm. have other things, but it's, it's such a struggle to, to remember like, hey, you're the adult in this case. You need right. to take responsibility and go for it and not be looking around for the adult, your adult. <laughs> They're not going to tell you what to do. <laughs> you have exactly. to, you have to take the bull by the horns and you have to go with it. And you have to have confidence in your, in your decisions and your actions. And whether that's for thinking that you're an adult or understanding for whatever right. situation it is, like you have to do that. And it's and hard. It's so it, hard. It is hard. And I think that, the self-doubt and the imposter syndrome holds a lot of people back, men and women, but I think women more so because of that feeling like you have to prove yourself worthy before you're given the opportunity, but you can't always do that until you are given the opportunity, until you go for it. Yeah. And Trial so whether is a thing. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Sink or swim, baby. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I think that really trying for the promotion at work, taking on a stretch assignment. So how do you feel about the phrase, fake it till you make it? Oh, um, I actually prefer Mel Robbins version. Fake it till you become it. Ooh, I like that. (laughs) Yes. And that was very, um, oh, was it Mel Robbins? No, it was, um, oh my gosh, I can't remember her name. It was another lady. Amy Cuddy. Amy Cuddy. Yes, Amy Cuddy. Thank you for looking that up. <laughs> um, yeah, so Amy Cuddy actually talks about that, and she did a lot of research. And if you have not ever watched any of her videos, um, she's the one that talks about like the Wonder Woman, the power pose. Mm-hmm. And how that can, the physiology behind standing and putting yourself in a power pose in advance of a big presentation or an interview or whatever, it physiologically changes your body and your mood and your confidence. So, yeah, she talks about don't fake it till you make it because that's almost like as if something happens to you. Mm-hmm. Make it till you become it is you are the one affecting that change within yourself. And you're the one that's, you know, in charge of that growth. So I think yeah. that that is pretty, pretty powerful and certainly resonated with me a lot. Um, I think another thing to add to that is you, you never, you're never going to be able to stop working on yourself because when you think right. you've become and you stop doing the work that you've been doing to, to become, um, I think it is possible to actually regress. I've experienced Absolutely. it myself where I've, I've done a lot of internal work and I've, and I've built confidence in myself in certain things and, and convinced myself you can do this and I'll do something. And then after a while I'll, I'll stop 
doing the work I'll stop I'll stop uh, waking up early and and preparing and 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 doing the internal work and telling and like reinforcing positive interactions and things will slide and get a little lazy and then suddenly you're at a spot where you're like how did I ever do this I can't do that that's not possible and you have to you have to it's it's not something you do once it's something you constantly have to be practicing it is it's a mindset practice and you do have to be consistent with it. And and what I like others, it's like a diet. It's you yeah. you fall off the wagon, you have the cheat meal, you don't work out for a few days. The cheat meal turns um, into a couple months of cheat yes. meals. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. And then all of a sudden here we are with beautiful sunny weather and bathing suit seasons right around the corner and you're like, what no. did I just do to myself? <laughs> yeah. Um <laughs> But, you know, the thing, the good thing is our minds are very elastic and we do have the ability to stretch them and grow and shift and change. And that's, that's really great. We can get back on track. And have you read, um, mindset by Carol Dweck? I have not, but I do love books like that. Yes. So she, she talks, she does all this research into um, brain plasticity and just mm-hmm. how we are able to change our mindsets and how having the correct mindset and having a growth mindset is what's going to make you successful versus having a fixed mindset. Absolutely. Um, and it's anybody who hasn't read it, I highly, highly, highly recommend this book. It's great. And, but sometimes I'll think, oh, I'll be like, oh yeah, I totally have a growth mindset. And then I'll f- catch myself thinking in a very fixed mindset. And it's like, oh, Mm-hmm. I don't have as much of a growth mindset as I thought it did. So there's, it's, it's a constant work in progress. And if you think that sounds exhausting, what's more exhausting is not getting out of life what you want to get. <laughs> it's Absolutely. constantly being disappointed by yourself. You're like, you know what, put in the work and you're going to have a fantastic life. Not just, not just your career, but everything. Um, right. And I think that that is, you know, a, another good tool to, get over that imposter syndrome is to really focus on what makes you happy. And certainly my personal growth has been, you know, like most people, when you're young, you have this vision of what success looks like. You have this vision of, I'm going to climb the career ladder. It's going to be like this straight trajectory. If you imagine like the the chart with the arrow going from the bottom left to the top, right. in a straight line, you know, you're just going <laughs> to grow over time Laugh because you know, and no, I know that is not how it works. Yes. <laughs> nobody told you like throw a plate of spaghetti against the wall. And that's actually what your life is going to look yeah. like. No, it's messy and it's convoluted and it and you might and have more and... downs before you have any ups and you yeah. can't stop. <laughs> and you go sideways and back and forth and you slip around and, but figuring out what you enjoy and what makes you happy also it is something to think about if you're worried about, hey, I'm not good enough for this job, you know, start questioning yourself why? Why do you think that? Is it, you know, and then start making like, a, I literally am a list maker. So I will get out a piece of paper and I'll do it on the computer, but handwritten are for me the best, like handwritten. I will get out a piece of paper, pros and cons, 
And if I see it, then I've written it, I've tactile, visual, everything right in front of me. And then I start to realize, oh, I'm actually more qualified for this than I thought, or this would make me happy. And that's the other question. Like, why do I want this job? Why do I want this project? Why do I want this change? Why do I, whatever. And then start realizing, do I want it? Because it's what my 22 year old self thought would be the the definition of success. Do I want it because it's going to help me grow personally and professionally. And I'm genuinely interested in what this project is or what impact I could have in this other role. Like what the, why, why to add on there? Is this what somebody else is expecting of me? Right. I think that's a really important thing to consider is that don't do things for someone else. Right. Because you will ultimately fail. Maybe you'll have a little bit of success in the beginning, but in the end, it will not turn out well. And that's the thing. If your passion is not there, if you're not doing it because there's an internal why that matters to you, then, and, and I mean, sometimes that why could be as simple as financially, I need, I need the promotion because I need the financial to put my kids through college or for medical bills or, or whatever. Yeah. I mean, but, but if you com- are committed, if that truly is a priority for you and that you have value in it because it's your, it's your why mm-hmm. nobody else can judge that if it's your why and it matters to you, you are going to try to do a good job. You are going to try to, you know, go for, for whatever that next goal is. Um, it, and your why doesn't have to look like my why. No. And that's another thing to understand is your version of success can be wildly different from another ver- person's version of success. And that's okay. Success does yeah. not look the same for everybody. Success might be, okay, I don't make as much money as this person does, but mm-hmm. I have... I have a life that I enjoy. My family is happy. I can provide what I need. I I go to work every day with a smile on my face. Like everyone's version of success is wildly different and that is okay. And I think it's really, it's really hard sometimes to, to be okay with your version of success because (laughs) you'll have all these commercials and and, and social media and it's telling you, you should want this. Right. Your, your life is here. You should be here. Want this, do this, work harder, work 24 seven. I'm fully against the, the work all the time syndrome. Um, that yeah. is out there. <laughs> that, <laughs> um, that has taken me a long time too. Right. Uh, and, and that's another part of the imposter syndrome is, is thinking about, you know, am I an imposter because I'm not going to be the workaholic. Oh, and I tell people all the time, if you had to give me a brand, it's, you know, one word, it's hashtag recovering workaholic. I, I'm you right know, there with you. <laughs> I am trying hard because I think we, we were conditioned. And if you listen to all of the, you know, channels of stimulus that you were just talking about, mm-hmm. um, it's, you should be, working hard so that you can have all these things. And that's great. Oh, I love nice things and I love great vacations. But at the end of the day, I did that for years. I did work crazy jobs and work two jobs. And, and I did personally get some things out of it. But at, at the end of the day, I was not having a good balance with 
peace and just quiet and, and downtime. I really was working myself to the point where I was, I would get sick or just exhausted. And, um, it's not, how are you enjoying your life? If, if you can't actually enjoy your life, (laughs) we weren't born in order to work all the time. We're here to live. I mean, work is a part of our life. It shouldn't be our whole lives. And I do, I do think that we are, we are inundated with the consumerism, uh, mindset and, there's nothing wrong with wanting nice things or having, having stuff, but when having stuff is actually negatively impacting your happiness, yeah. um, then because there's always that, that trade-off, right? Yeah. So it's the opportunity cost. What is the opportunity cost of having, you know, a nice new designer purse when the opportunity cost that that could have been a vacation, yeah. And or the other I mean, thing to consider yeah. is also the uh, the the phenomenon of instantaneous results. That's yeah. Um, <laughs> like there there are more than one. There's more than one way to get what you want, and sometimes it takes a long time. I mean, on like for instance, on my salary, there's no way I'm going to be able to afford like a first class plane ticket across the world. Right. Um, but right. hey, if I save for several years, yeah. Yeah, I can definitely get a first class ticket to somewhere across the world. And that's possible. It doesn't mean I earned that money in a month. Gosh, I definitely don't earn that much money in a month. Right. I know. <laughs> me me either girl. Me either. But if you're willing to to wait and right. save and do it slowly over time you can do whatever you want. And I think that's a hard thing for people. They want everything now. We're so used to getting everything now. Mm. Hey, I'm, I'm out of this. Amazon can be here in three hours. Boom, done. Like, <laughs> Yeah. And I think that, that circling that back to career wise is really, is really something that has been challenging in, um, in recent years because we are so used to that instant, satisfaction, uh, gratification and, and whatnot in other parts of our lives, we lose sight on that to truly grow your career and your skill set. that does take time. Um, I want to also say like with that, that doesn't mean you should not try to move when you can. Oh, if you absolutely. see an opportunity, take it, definitely yes. take it. Don't, don't think that, Oh, you have to be in this position for five years before we can move you up. If you have the opportunity to move up before that, go for it. Don't think that you're stuck there. But also understand that sometimes the opportunity won't be there and that's okay too. Yes, absolutely. You should absolutely go for the, for the opportunities when they present themselves. If, you know, if you're interested and you feel like you could learn it, you could go in there and, and do the work, then definitely go for it. The other thing that I would, I would say that has been a big um, learning like a self-discovery and learning for me is when we talk about like, what is your passion? Like, what is your, why, what does that look like? Because I thought, you know, working in a huge corporate office, wearing suits and heels and being in a boardroom, you know, 
and That's making a, a bunch of money. <laughs> right. Like that was this vision of success that I had when, because, you know, when I was a kid, what were some of the top TV shows like LA law? Yeah. And, you know, things like that. And they dressed up and they were successful and, and all this jazz. But that is, that's like a picture. That's not reality. And like, so they're like, never, they're never accurate. It's no, it's, it's fantasy that it's right. It's never, you don't see what happens in the background. You don't see how they mm-hmm. actually hate their lives and they wish they didn't have to wear these heels every day. And yeah. oh gosh, my, <laughs> my child is sick and I'm so stressed out about this. And like, yeah. none of that is real. <laughs> and people well, forget that. It's just, that's in, that's in front of us and we forget. And regardless, yeah, and regardless of what that vision is for any individual, like your vision of what success could be, but is that going to make you happy? Like internally, like figuring out what makes you happy, what brings you joy? What do you, what would you do every day that you could get out of bed and actually want to go to work or at the very least, not be miserable, like not lay there and go, oh my God, do I have to go there today? <laughs> because what I found for me is that looking at my career path, especially in the last few years at Esri, it has really been around at the end of a day or end of a week. If I look back at all the things I did in the week, what was I most excited about? What what gave me the most joy? Where did I feel like I made the most impact? And that's one thing that I love about, I've been in the role that I'm in now almost three years as my title is business consultant. But what I do on a daily basis is work as a strategic advisor with our clients. And I also internally do a lot of mentoring and In both of those, what I found and and why I am where I am is that my passion, like what makes me happy is when I have shared information or guidance or in some way helped somebody else be successful or make an improvement or learn something new. And at the end of the day, I could have a great project that came in, you know, early, under budget, all whatever. But if it didn't actually make an impact on other people, then so what? For me, like my internal, my internal joy comes from connection to other people. I'm an outgoing person. I love to get to know people. I love to like help them be better and be successful. And so once I started recognizing that that is what made me happy, then I quit like chasing a job title. I quit chasing, you know, other things that other people would have said marked success or that my younger self would have said, oh, you'd be successful because you had this job title or that kind of role or some level of prestige. Whereas now my mindset is much more around like actually making an impact and knowing that at the end of the day, I help somebody else be successful. Yeah. And that's not to say that going after specific job titles is necessarily a bad thing. Maybe, no. maybe that's there's something that you, you, you are passionate about. Like, Hey, this is where I want to be. This is the position I want right. to be in, but make sure you're doing it for the right reasons. Like the reasons you said, you want to make sure you're helping people that you're having an impact that the work you're doing right. is mattering. 
or is going to matter. And, and maybe getting a specific job title is part of that. And maybe it's not. And Absolutely. that's going to be for every individual person to decide. So exactly. And that's the thing that I learned is that gauging yourself against somebody else is bad. Like gauging, gauging what matters to you and what's successful for you, you are your own individual and what works for somebody else is not necessarily going to work for you and vice versa. For sure. Well, Liz, this has been an amazing conversation. I definitely did not foresee the uh, trajectory trajectory we were going to take with this, but I'm glad it went down the path that it did. This was a fantastic conversation. I really hope those listening have gotten gotten a few good nuggets of wisdom out of this. I hope so too. And um, thank you so much, Ollie, for having me. I've really enjoyed uh, since moving to Texas last year, getting involved with um, Eurissa, Texas and all the wonderful people. And I certainly hope that um, if there's anything that we can do in the GIS world to support each other, that um, people will take advantage of that because it's a great network. For sure. Thank you so much, Liz. Thanks. Bye. Bye.